Rock Chuck. and roll time. Here we go. You guys go ahead and do the beatbox. Do the drum part. Who wants to do the vocals? Mm, do you think I should probably do it? Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> uh, I'd pass on that. Yeah. We're back. Another episode of The, the Capital T, T, Capital T, Capital H, Capital E, Soccer Dad Pod. Another episode time. We've got a uh, got a killer guest on today. Uh, this one's going to be fun. This takes us outside of our backyard a little bit beyond the 314, but neck deep in the soccer world. Yeah, I'm stoked. And uh, the, the entertainment yeah, of this, soccer world. This guy has so many, didn't even realize it, similarities to how we operate on how he operates, in my opinion. And I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. Hey, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um we we I mean we we're we're kind of in another one of those uh, 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 batches of episodes that they're just coming off easy right now. The responses have been brilliant. Uh, going backwards to the one we just released the other day, it was our three boys, our beloved offspring, joined us out at Mellow Mushroom. Thanks to uh, John Burke and crew out there uh, for allowing us to crash out. Pizza was brilliant. Um, Go check it out. They've got the Chesterfield location in Sunset Hills. Um, but we had the boys on, and all three of them, I think, independently were not super stoked about coming on. Uh, they kind of gravitated into the reality that we weren't going to let them not do it. <laughs> uh, and then once they heard themselves through the mics and in their headphones, then they were like, hell yeah, this is pretty cool. I think they all had fun. They had a great time. And I know my son in particular was less excited about going into it but i think who ended up being if we would have had a stopwatch probably on the mic the most yeah he had a lot to say i liked it and i was pleased with what he had to say i was i was excited and and happy with all the boys and and their responses to some of our questions and the thoughtfulness that they put into yeah, their responses. You know, just to kind of frame it a little bit for those of you that if you haven't caught it, go back and go back and check it out, especially if you are have a little one that is in the system, uh, boy or girl, otherwise, um, you know, competitive or just for fun. It doesn't matter. Uh, and frankly, if it's any other sport, too, if they're excelling at hockey or basketball or baseball, because the questions that we pose to them, I really wanted to get into kind of peeling that onion back on not what do you do or, you know, what's your training, your technical, you know, how many wins. I really wanted to try and emphasize because we know living it firsthand with them, it's the mental side. Yep. And it's and it's about their drive. It's about their focus. It's about the things that they do outside of the game. And, n- I, you know, none of them were prepped. And their answers came from the heart. And it was like I, I was I was proud. I was proud as a host and as a dad at the same time. Yeah, I got a lot of feedback um, from just old coaches or old people in their lives during those times we spoke about. And I think they were impressed. And I think coincidentally, the moms uh, ha- had a good time because uh, listening. Um, I-, I know JB had text Kelly and she was like, how did you know? Um, yeah. um, because uh, just fun. Just, just, just go back one episode and have a listen. 
Yeah, you know, one thing I want to point out about the episode in particular is just that they they tackle head on. We we queue it up because I wanted to get their 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 take on kind of the the environments, the academy, the the high school option, um, you know, and what you know, and, and really trying to measure out uh, motivation and you know what do they enjoy? Are they really missing something? Do they feel like they're missing something, or their or is their cup of happiness or experience, whatever you want to call that cup, being filled with other things that the only people that are annoyed by it are people that are <laughs> in their mid forties, fifties that never had the opportunity to do it. Well, and I think what's interesting about that whole piece is we've been talking about this for six months at a high level talking to coaches, talking to parents. Yeah. We've never talked to a kid who's actually the one who's affected by it. And so hearing their perspective, I think, is really important. And they each had something different to bring to the table on that particular topic. And I, I like that. Yeah, it was a great episode. Go back, listen to it. Um, again, again, in particular, if you have little ones that play any sport, frankly, and they compete or they want to get to their, whatever their, quote, next level is, it's a good one. Just three kids being honest about the process. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I want to throw out some quick thank yous to those that we partner with, those that support us. Um, uh, the Ambush, uh, Shelly and team over there, P, etc. cetera. Uh, we're working with the Ambush. We're going to be working with them through the fall, winter, et cetera. Nice. Really want to raise a little bit more awareness to what they have going on out there because it's a party. It's a party and it's soccer and it's indoor and there's beer and it's you know it's just high quality stuff. Um, if you happen to catch the TST tournament last year, a number of the players that won the million dollar check actually play on the ambush. So there's there's just different storylines that are occurring out there. It's a, it's a great family value. Go check it out. And it's a good level. Yeah, it's it's competitive. It's very very competitive. Yeah. Uh, high pace, lots of goals. So uh, check it out. If you're one of those individuals that are like hey, soccer zero zero tie can't be fun okay fine you know i can understand the premise of that argument go watch indoor well you're, also, you're not going to see a zero zero tie it's also a cool spot to do birthday parties family events because it's family friendly you can get tickets for you know a reasonable amount yeah. and it's a great experience over in saint charles at the family arena so definitely look into their their tickets this year so there's that and then uh you, chris and bill our beloved Chris and Bill, who will be coming on um, in about three episodes. They're going to join oh, cool. us. They're going to be our official guests du jour. Uh, we're going to talk about all of their uh, freshman prowess and beyond. Uh, so that's going to be fun. But Do you think the, they even remember? Oh, I guarantee. They're probably going to bring in film. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely newspaper clip. The, the, I pin, think the pinnacle the, the PinnacleLoans.com. Check it out. Um, you know, things. Uh, in I just the, hope they didn't peak. <laughs> You're right. I think Billy's probably had too many adult beverages in his life to even remember it. Well, no, I mean that's the whole. That, that's where the VHS, the Super Eight, okay. comes into play. Okay, yeah. Uh, so they're gonna they're gonna come on, but I want to thank them for continuing to support the show. Uh, they've got the te- a team of uh, real estate partners across the board, from uh, agent to uh, underwriters, etc. They make it easy, and at the end of the day, it is not easy nor fun to buy a house. Let them take some of that pain out of the equation, which brings us to pinnacle loan, pinnacle points of the day. Uh, who wants to go first here? I think Jared's. Yeah, I'll go. Um, biting at the bit. 
By, you know, it's chomping at the bit. If you guys, I, I need to correct you guys, and it was called the <laughs> Primate House. They, um, what I'm going to go with, and, and this will be appropriate for today's episode because this guy's got a lot of passion, and and we'll explain where he comes from. Today's guest, but college soccer is in the thick of it. Um, just going to report some results and, and kind of give you some platforms where you guys can reach out and, and watch these games. Um, last night was the ACC men's soccer tournament and the Big Ten soccer tournament semifinals. Um, ACC number six Syracuse plays number seven UNC. Number seven UNC wins. Number nine Louisville, who knocked off number one Notre Dame, plays number four Clemson. Clemson wins. So it'd be UNC Clemson on Sunday in the ACC final. We'll talk to our guest today about that because he's well versed. Big Ten. Um, Guess who's in the final? Um, I think we said it early on. IU started off slow. Well, guess what? They're in the Big Ten. Well, we all final. all three said, you know, they'll be there. Yep. They'll so, be in the mix. And, so, and, so Big Ten. Uh, so IU plays Penn State on Sunday. You can watch ACC on ACC Network. Big Ten final on Big Ten Network. Um, Big East semis are tonight. You can catch that on ESPN+. Plus. Um, MVC, most State plays West, Western Michigan. Local. Uh, Kale. Uh, OVC, they're in the final. They play UIW. I don't even know who that is. I think it's Incarnate Word. Kale, Kale Wasserman. Yeah, Kale Wasserman. SIUE, who, SIU. who happened to be named Coach of the Year in the OVC. Yep, right. and undefeated. Um, and then the A-10, Dayton versus VCU. That's a Sunday tilt. So these are all on ESPN+. Plus. Watch them. They're exciting. And then Monday, we will uh, have a selection show. That's right. So I'm going to go on a city route, which is two of our new teammates were were nominated and elected some awards today roman berkey goalkeeper of the year for the mls really wasn't so messy that, that was surprise <laughs> yeah uh and Did messi come in second in voting on goalie voting? of the year as well yeah i think messi was second um <laughs> and not by a lot actually he played three games <laughs> um and then bradley yeah. carnell he played four minutes <laughs> <laughs> what did carnell get <clears throat> he Received the um, oh, what was it Can called? Can I help you? The St. Louis Sportsman of the Year. Sportsman of the Year by St. Louis. Yeah. First, first soccer coach to do that in St. Louis. That's pretty cool. And personality, so, St. Louis personality, personality of the year. And so, just excited that there's some recognition coming even after the loss in the playoffs. But I'm excited. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I think there's going to be more kind of accolades that are going to occur as the as the postseason winds down. I think there's going to be a lot of like you know, you know nuanced uh, references to the team, players, right. etc., uh, which is all well deserved because again, zero people in the world of MLS pundit tree had us doing anything. Agreed. Um, my pinnacle point of the day is St. Louis. St. Louis kicks ass in a lot of areas. And one area that it kicks ass in often, but is generally unnoticed because, you know, bad press. You know, we, 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 we get the dirty press, is our music scene. Mm. Uh, I let off with uh, Guns N' Roses on purpose. Uh, ever heard of Magnus? There's a theme. Yeah, there's a theme. There's always a theme. Yeah. I don't do anything you arbitrarily. Don't. No, you don't. Uh, Magnetone, you guys know what that is? Mm-mm. I don't. Uh, it, it is a... Uh, Amp company guitar. They make okay. guitars really, really loud. That's that box that looks cool, right? Yep. ZZ Top was the one that made them famous. And Magnetone is located over here on off of Ivanhoe, South City. Nice. All hand built, killer. Well, guess who just signed a deal with Magnetone Amps today? 
GNR slash. Oh, Mr. GNR. Yeah, on the same day that that's announced, Spin Magazine, the uh, edgier version of Rolling Stone, puts out a massive feature on St. Louis music scene. Gets into the weeds a little bit, avoids the you know the the played out blues and jazz thing. Mm-hmm. It really gets into the underbelly. And yours truly was one of the individuals oh. that was interviewed for that article, and it was actually. A while back interview, and this thing kind of was accumulated and dropped today. So very cool. Did you sound like a turd? No, no, no. I knew what I was talking about. Nice. See, I do my homework. <laughs> I, I don't talk about exploding colons you know, off my <laughs> cell phone notes. <sighs> so uh, that was a great pinnacle point, mind you. Well, we got we, we got to talk no, about the, really quickly where we are, and then we're gonna jump to our guest. We'll do that. We'll do that. Well, we'll do that in a second. Our guest is going to be dialing in here. Let's do it as we'll roll in on the other side. Perfect. Of this. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, we are going to roll out with St. Louis's own guitar partner, <laughs> Slash. Slash. And when we come back, we're going to be talking all about soccer and television and smooth voices. See you on the flip side. Hey everyone, buying a home, it's kind of a big deal. Never has there been more competition to buy, so few homes to choose from, all made worse by an uncertain interest rate landscape. Now that you're short a bedroom for the third kid, you're in the wrong school district, and a walkable corner pub isn't nearly close enough, it's time to reach out to the Pinnacle Loan Team for help. They work with a network of agents that have their feet on the ground across the whole region and have a number of loan products that are cost-effective with a process that is simple. Basically, they've got you covered from start to finish. So when it's time to buy, visit thepinnacleloans.com. That's thepinnacleloans.com, simply the best in home loans. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. Hey, gentlemen. Howdy. Everybody get a refill? Oh, yeah. Uh, Zach, real quick. Yeah, we're... Where are we? We're recording in Historic Soulard at the Paul Schneider House, owned by my brother, Ty, and his wife, Katie. And they let us host here tonight. And they just released this on Airbnb and VRBO. Massive historic home for corporate events, wedding events. It's Uh, massive. I mean, let's let's, let's just get to brass tacks here. (laughs) Four bedroom suites. Each with their own bathroom. Gorgeous. Gorgeous 10 it's, to 12 foot ceilings. Yeah, it's pseudo palatial. It is. It's a mansion. I mean, a, a legit mansion that we're recording from right now. And they also have attached the carriage house, which is an early 1800s 
Original doors. Original, original doors. Original carriage. Is, is that house. where all the original movies are made? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> awesome place. Check it out. Um, the website, or the, actually Instagram, is the easiest way to find it. And then you can link back to the, the, the platform you want, which is the, T-H-E, underscore, P-S, underscore, house. So, thank you, Ty and Katie. Check out the P.S. house. It's gorgeous. Have they got a MySpace? Well, they did. <laughs> uh, it's a little outdated. Are they going to put it in the RFT in the back page ad? <laughs> yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Hey, we're back. Uh, the Soccer Dad Pod. We're ready to roll our guest on, who actually is rolling on his own right now. He's, he's in a car somewhere on the East Coast chasing down another soccer game so he can make the beautiful call. And today, our guest is the... Devin Kerr. How's it going, Devin? Boys, what's going on? I have an update. I am two miles from U.S. Route 80, passing exit 102, somewhere in Georgia. So if for any reason we <laughs> drop off, if I get lost, if I don't show up, this is where I was last heard from. That's all. So we're good to go. So let's see. That part of Georgia, Let's. Uh, there might be some peach trees in the distance, and you're listening to Zach Brown. Am I, am I close? Uh, it's Dark as it can be outside, but there's definitely Run DMC in the background. So wow. I don't know. Yeah, over two, we're go. good. Let's go. <laughs> oh, no. I, you know, the problem is I love gambling. I don't do it because I'm very, very bad at it, as I just proved. So do hey. you know, do you know today, and I was going to bring it up in the intro, but we need to bring it up because it's the music thing. And this show is about music as well. 50 years ago today, Piano Man was released. Whoa. Did you know Whoa. that? Billy no. Joel's Piano Man, 50 years ago today. Let's is, go. Is, okay, so we talk, we talk about this all the time. Devin, you chime in here because you, you seem like a, uh, a globally relevant, culturally uh, educated individual here. Is there a better piano song then than the Piano Man? Oh. Ooh. I mean. I mean. Are we talking? Are we, are we just talking? The piano playing aspect of it? Are we talking the musical lyrics as well? Like, like, the, like what are we? Is it all encompassing? Well, libations. The These are great questions. How do I take that? If you walk into here, let me let me let me frame it this way: You're on vacation. You go into you know the, the Keys or wherever you're at, and there's a piano bar, and there's a dude that's sitting there that literally says, "I know every piano piano song ever written." What are you asking him to play? Oh, uh, Dr. Dre. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay extra for that. He's locked in <laughs> my basement. Dun, 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 with the keys, right? Yeah, so, I mean, it gets everybody bumping. Double no, I, I think it's very difficult to argue against Piano Man, right? I mean, it's it's delightful. Sure. I don't mind if a little crocodile rock comes out at the end of that. But, See, that's ooh, what I say. That's, Elton uh, John, you got to throw him that's in there, too. that's pretty solid. I think it also depends on the uh, on the scenario. Like, if you, if you want to just hang out, sing along, drink some bourbon, and smoke a cigarette, yeah. it's Piano Man. I want to crash beers but, with people. But, but if you want to, you know, look at, look at that little chica across the way and get a little twinkle in her eye, you want my song. But the, the line... Okay. You know, you the, want a little Elton John. Okay. The drink called Loneliness... Is better than drinking alone. It's still one of my best, my favorite lines ever. And by the way, uh, I just saw a video, ironically, in City at City Field where the Mets play. They played this song while Billy Joel was there. The entire crowd is singing along. He stands up and starts singing with him. It's a uh, really cool yeah, video. That's Check cool. It out. That's cool. I'm yeah, I love that. I'm tearing up right now. I know. Man. That's great. All right, now that we've completely went off the rails within the first two minutes. Uh, Devin, you want to talk about a little bit of soccer? 
<laughs> I'm in. By the way, if this is off the rails, you guys are in trouble because I'm about to drive this show into the ground. <laughs> Just don't drive your car into the ground. Oh no, yeah, we're we're all good there. Hey, uh, really want to appreciate, uh, really want to thank you and appreciate the fact that you decided to uh, you know, join us and have this conversation. You know, Jared, Jared is the one that uh, kind of came to me. I knew, I knew, I knew who you were. You know, I, I've caught you on some games, but Jared is a loyal, loyal listener slash fan. Um, so when we were able to knock this down, kind of, kind of with the state of soccer right now, the, uh, between college and MLS, what's going on there, the news coming out of USL and just the, just all of the fandom that is occurring and kind of the raising of the bar, you, you kind of, you're, you're stuck in the middle of it. Uh, so just out of the gate, how much fun is it right now? kind of having grown up with the game, loving the game, playing the game, and now you're working in the game. How much fuzz, fun is it in 2023 with all of those things I just referenced and where you're at? I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you first and foremost for the for the kind words and the compliments and certainly the, uh, the loyal following. Even if I am just a, a parish of one, it's nice to know that at least one of you all is listening and, and <laughs> hasn't turned on the mute button just yet. But um no, it's it's incredible, man. Honestly, I to to look at and we've all been around the game in this country for a long period of time. Right. But to look at how far the game has truly come is it's insane. Like that to me, that's the biggest word, because it feels like every single time you think like you've seen something incredible, it, it kind of pushes it to the side. And it's like, here, hold my beer. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah we get we get more money into mls and you get usl's rebranding years ago and then a mls team goes and win Concacaf champions league and then it's like oh my god they're playing at the club world cup right and it's against the biggest teams in the country and then messi comes here and it's mind you i'm giving you finite examples basically over the last 18 months um usl a couple of years back but to be involved in it is is super fun um well let you know, me add the let me real quick, uh, because at the same time that's all occurring, the other thing that's going on is in the college game, the one thing that I that I think is the most impressive is not the quality of play. It's not the shift in kind of the expected powers to be. It's that college soccer is accessible. The amount of uh, television uh, networks that are covering these games, streaming them in YouTube, etc., the demand for, for, for watching college soccer outside of those stadiums are you surprised by the growth of that side of the equation no but i would say that it's easier for me to answer that in the positive because i live in the production world so if i was just on the sporting side um i would probably say like wow this is crazy like where's all the money coming from where all the games come from and i can give you a little peek behind the curtain there I'm not surprised because a lot of universities and conferences, they're basically signing deals with networks, right? So whether it's ESPN or the Big Ten Network and, and whether it's ACC or, you know, whoever, maybe we can say Big Ten in general, Big Ten Network, obviously, and Fox and their affiliation. Mm -hmm. They sign these deals. And in the deals, they say, we're going to give you X amount of national broadcasts for X amount of sports. Now, that's primarily associated with Olympic sports, which soccer is obviously involved in. And on the backside of that, they do what's called pass-through shows. Pass-through shows are the greatest and worst thing that have ever happened to the game. 
I focus more on the positives out of it. I like to try and keep an, an open and positive mind frame. And what I mean by pass through is basically the school is trying to cultivate talent on the production side. So they have people that work at the school. Usually the high end talent there at the school that is hired is going to be a producer, possibly a director from there. Right. They're utilizing school assets to produce this show. So all of these kids, truly kids, are going and getting their education, and they're trying to figure out a way to make it in the sports world by putting on these shows. These shows are then overseen, and whether it's a nationally televised show, I say national because there's that's, that term can be used very loosely depending on how you view it, but the passer is basically taken from that school, it's given to the network in which they have a deal with, and the network puts it up almost free of charge. It's basically just airtime, and right. for someone like ESPN, the the satellite costs them nothing, right? It's it's yeah, a penny for yeah. them. Um, so we get we get the opportunity for these young kids to grow with on the production side, the talent side as well, because a lot of kids on the broadcast, like at broadcasting schools, whether it's at Syracuse or Ford, I'm like, these kids are getting invaluable opportunities to go in and actually commentate on real live games. And then people who are fans of the schools, who are parents, who are kids who maybe are aspiring to go to said university, get an opportunity to see it. The bad side is, is you also get some of the, the trials and tribulations, if you will, of just yeah, yeah, the, lower the, end shows. But the, that the, happens, the, right? The, I mean, you got to learn. Qu- the quality of kids cutting their teeth. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of yeah. the talent side, Devin, um, I, I'm going to go down this road, and, and, and it's going to be um, a little bit fun for me. Um, listening to you and your partner's broadcast on all the platforms you are, so, so for our listeners – this gentleman is doing, he's the lead broadcast on the ACC network. He was on last night's game against uh, uh, Louisville and Clemson. Or I'm sorry, you got, you, yeah, you you were Louisville and Clemson. Yep, I was Louisville uh, Clemson. Um, yeah. and that so, game was overserved, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> but I tell you, it was a good game. <laughs> you also are very high up in the USL. You'll be doing Sunday's championship game, which we're going to come to next. Um, you also are with the Apple TV MLS pro- broadcast. And here's what I'll say, and for our listeners, um, this guy that we have and we have the the privilege to have on our show, you can tell from the word go of how much he loves the sport and the culture around it. We get a lot of compliments about our show because we just are like dads that are just having beers and, and, and talking shit. And what the biggest compliment I can give you for me is – when I listen to you, it's like you're having a beer with the fellas and you're, it's not stuffy. There's no agenda and you just call it like you see it. And I just love like that you bring into the, the culture side of it, where to eat, um, where, where are you going to grab a pint at locally? Can you talk about your style a little bit? And because your ascension is going to be quick because you are going to be doing a lot of games because I think if I'm, if I'm the metrics, I, I love it. So the question is your style. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh oh. I think we might be in a little bit of a valley there in Georgia. Anything about, like you said, like on a game that I get, I'm going to tell you how I feel no matter what, right? And and for better or for worse, right? So within that. I, I truly appreciate the compliments and my style comes from a couple of different places. Number one, you take what you know, right? So playing at, at a multitude of levels, it's 
it's the youth level and having success there. It's going, you know, as a, on a full ride as a D1 athlete. It's going and playing professional both in the United States and in Germany. So you take your experiences both as a player and, and what the coaches have taught you, and you try and apply that. Well, then I'm also pulling from my mentors. My mentors, to start off early, were a lot on the production side. So more so executive producers, guys who are kind of calling the shots. And in this country, a lot of them don't really have a very extensive footballing background. They're more so from American football and basketball and hockey and things like that. Now they're learning the beautiful game, but it takes time, but it's actually helped kind of like, it, it's reduced in a lot of areas, things that needed to be say, and and kind of shortened how you do it because those windows are much smaller in other sports because of the open right. round of play. And then, and then lastly, Again, you take what you know. I just look at people that I enjoy listening to from a broadcast perspective, but I don't just look at an analyst. So, you know, whether it's play-by-play -play or an analyst, I take those styles and I mend them together. So I do enjoy Stu Holden. I like Taylor Twelman. I like John Champion. You know, you go across the pond. How can you not talk about Peter Drury? Stuart Robson yeah. was another one that I really liked. And then pundits as well with, with funny guys that, that get into it who have the personality side, which I try and show. I'm a Liverpool fan, so Jamie Carragher fits right in there oh, for sure. I like Roy God. Keane because of his abrasiveness. So you just kind of take all of this to put it together. And then I tweak myself depending on what platform I'm at. So you, you mentioned on MLS, right, on Apple TV. So that's a pro game at the highest level in the United States. I will, I will come much harder in that game than I will at the NCAA level. And the reason I do that is stylistically I tweak it a little bit. So I take everything that I just mentioned – but those, they're kids. They're, a lot of them, you know, I know the college game has changed and we can talk about that, but you are still getting a lot of young men who are 18 to 22 and they're learning the game. I'm not going to crucify an 18 or 22 year old who's supposed to be learning the game and making mistakes and growing compared to someone who's on a $600,000 a year TAM deal playing for an MLS team, right? Yeah. So I, that just, it kind of gives you an idea into the background of, of how I try and call a game and then how I tweak myself depending on which match I'm calling that night. Devin, let me ask a question about that kind of the uh, the, the compare contrast because again, Jared pointed it out, and you, you have a definitive, distinct kind of uh, you know you you feel like you're at the pub whenever you're calling the game. Like it's it's just really yeah. easy. There's a lot of like nuance and 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 fun stuff that's interjected in, loose. in in your in in your delivery. Yeah. Um, do you have to mentally shift? Uh, from maybe who you are, what comes easy, kind of that loose, you know, super conversational individual when you are covering an MLS game because of the elevated status, stature of the players, of the games, uh, or are you able to just kind of be you in both environments, but one maybe just takes a little bit more homework? What's, what's the difference there for you? It's an excellent question, and, and I would say that more so the latter, that just sort of being myself and knowing, to be honest, knowing when to shut my mouth. For in, like, for better or for worse, there there are moments within a game that are going to speak for themselves, right? And whether it's an open game where the atmosphere is just overwhelming and the fans can embrace that from the other side of the television, there are times where you know they say less is more. You don't need to speak over things like that. If there's a, a ridiculous goal and you're a fan of the game, trying to become this poet who who turns on a masterclass of verbal atrocities in the best of ways 
doesn't need to always happen. Now, there's certainly moments for that, for sure, because you want to keep the viewer engaged. And, you know, you talk about my style being unique. I have energy. And so I think one of the mistakes that I made early on was injecting all of that energy all the time. Well, if it's a boring ass game and, and 20 minutes in, we get our first shot, yeah. I don't need to go off the rails and be like, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's just like, wow, that's great. 20 minutes in. Thanks everybody for showing up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you kind of, again, there's the personality side where you take, you take the energy where you want the viewer to be engaged and you find those moments to walk through. I've just found that as I've done more and more games and I continue to be critiqued and, and find my style, I'm always learning, I'm always changing, but I always stick to myself as well. And you said it at the beginning, guys, that the most important thing to me is trying to be relatable and that you feel like we're sitting down at the pub, whether you drink or you don't, whether you're eating or you're just hanging out, we're there together. Like we're hanging out, watching a game because that's to me, that's the most fun that I have when as a, um, as a fan, just watching a match is, is BSing with people at the pub, right? Because you've got different opinions. You've got different ways that people speak and commentary is very similar. The difference, the only difference to me is, is that commentary reminds me so much so of playing and I can go deeper into that if you like, but it's the closest thing I've had since I've retired to feeling that level of competition to give you that push outside of being um, inside the lines. I'm glad you brought that up because I've been patiently waiting to interject a question. And that's Zach. This is Zach. And <laughs> yeah, I got you. The question is, in my opinion, for you to sound that relatable and sound that comfortable, you have to be prepared, which means yeah. you have to do your homework and probably more so than most because of your comfort with the game and your competitive nature. So can you talk a little bit about your process for preparing for a college match versus an MLS versus a USL match? The, the best thing that has happened to me through preparation is having to fight all of the names around me. It's also the worst thing. So my preparation, I've just, I want to outwork everyone. And, and I was like that on the field as well. The difference was, is on the field, I, I kind of felt more of an even playing field because I, I worked my way up just like everybody else in broadcasting they're already 500 steps ahead of me. So some of the guys that I mentioned before, for instance, Stu Holden, Taylor Twelman, guys that I have the utmost respect for. Taylor, certainly we, we talk a little bit more. He's kind of taking me under his wing and, you know, at a moment's notice, we'll open, open up his phone and have a chat with me or whatever. These are guys that they are national team names. They are legends for some people, for sure. I know in the St. Louis community, obviously Taylor's got a massive name and, and what they did for this country and MLS who's, and abroad. And so who's that? I didn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Never heard of them. Right. Never heard of them. Um, I don't have that same resume on the playing side. And so and, and this isn't a negative thing for them. I, I would love to have been in their shoes, but I just can't step off the field and go right into the booth. And so I kind of got to gain that street cred. Right. Like I know them and we know each other. But yeah, the you know, Joe Schmo at home doesn't know me. So I watch an obnoxious amount of tape. They're quickly um, finding out about you. If they watch you, they will know you. Devin, let me ask you this. You, you mentioned St. Louis. A good segue here. Um, and I'd love to get the story here, but the ACC championship this Sunday, you're not doing it 
because you're yep. doing the US, USL champion final um, yep. on Sunday. I think you're doing it with Mike Watts, uh, and you guys are great together. Um, it's Charleston Battery versus the Phoenix Rising, and, and this is a St. Louis podcast, and uh, credit where credit's due. The Charleston Battery is littered with St. Louis names. Um it, it, namely, they're all kind of from that Scott Gallagher, St. Louis Scott Gallagher pedigree. You got players on the team like A.J. Cochran and Mark Segbers that cut their teeth there. Deving Renson yep. is the assistant coach. He grew up in St. Louis. Um, and then the, the the goalkeeper coach, Brian Jones, was was with FC St. Louis in the UCS, USL. Um, can you talk about that game a little bit in the St. Louis connection? And then also the president of that league, as you know, and we're very familiar with and a good friend of the show, Jeremy Allenball. Um, has a lot of nice things to say about you too, and he can't wait to see your coverage of that game. Um, h- how do you do the USL over the ACC? Was that a tug of war? <laughs> uh, <laughs> how do I legally answer this? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, let's just say it's 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 a bad, good bad problem to have. Kind of all that prep and all that work that I was getting into is uh, opportunities come forth and. I signed a contract. I signed contracts uh, at the beginning of the year. So I'm the lead analyst for USL championship. My contract was signed and the dates were given prior to the announcement for ACC. um, And when the tournament was going to be this year, I could actually go a step further. ACC actually announced initially by mistake that the final was going to be Monday, the 13th. They just worded it wrong in the press release. So I was under the assumption until about two and a half weeks ago that I was going to be in Charleston on Sunday calling the final flying to carry on uh, Monday morning to call the ACC championship. So um, just because of the fact that it was signed on the dotted line before um, I'm, I'm a very loyal person. I, I care about the character. And sure. so I committed to something ESPN, by the way, great ACC network as well, that they were kind enough to say, listen, we understand that that's your commitment. Um, we, we love the work that you do. Everything's great. So it's great that I get to cover, you know, arguably the best conference in, in college soccer all season long in these great teams. It's it sucks brutally that I don't get to call the title game. But then again, I'm also because I'm the lead for NCAA on ESPN. I get to do the College Cup. So in about a month's time, I'll I'll see the best four teams in the country. Oh, that's and cool. Let them have it go out a star. Hey, Devin, what I'd like to do at this point um, is I'd like to kind of reset the table a little bit for the listeners because we were talking, we jumped right in kind of to your professional world and, you know, where what you're doing and where you're bouncing around. We're talking about coverage. But prior to being on the mic, you, you know, you've alluded to it a few times, but we haven't got the specifics. That is, you laced them up for a long time. So if you don't mind, just give us a quick time lapse uh, you know, what's your backyard? You know, maybe the club that mattered, you, your NCAA, you know, where'd you play NCAA and talk a little bit about your pro career? Because I have a part B of this question after we kind of get a feel for your path a little bit, if you don't mind. Of course, Omaha, Nebraska, born and raised West Omaha soccer club till nine years old, moved to South Florida, played for Team Boca, um, Boca Gunners for, um, gee, dear Lord, what better portion of 12 years, went to Stetson University, was actually supposed to play for your assistant coach, John Hackworth, at the University of South Florida. He took the assistant coaching job at the U-17 national team. Mm -hmm. George Kiefer, former NC State head coach, came in. They decided they were going to go another direction with a bunch of guys. Ended up at Stetson University last minute. Um, Spent two years at Stetson, left, hated it. I could do a whole podcast on just that and uh, make sure that I'm never invited to Thanksgiving dinner again. And then uh, 
you know, I kind of bounced around the pro scene in the United States, a little time with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, Seattle Sounders prior oh, yeah. to them going to MLS, Chivas USA. And then I spent the majority of my career at Altano Nanandresic, which is in the Regional Liga. It's a suburb of, Altano is based in a suburb of Hamburg. It's in, um, mm-hmm. just outside on the, on the north side of Germany, fourth division. And I spent a little bit of time with Hosfeld, HSV, Blew my knee out, came back, rehabbed, blew my knee out again, retired at the age of 25 and a half, told the game to go fly a kite, and then fell in love with it again, um, you know, eight years later after I realized that having a family was certainly a uh, an idea that I thought was good, but I needed money in order to do that. So I figured <laughs> broadcasting was better than my current my current. How are you a title. Penn State fan? I mean, out of all that shit, how are you a Penn yeah. State fan? <laughs> First of all, are you crossing the picket line and we're talking shit about my boys in blue or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just it's weird that you're a Penn State fan. Out of my, all uh, that geography. My mom's a, a Navy brat, and okay. she ended up makes sense. She ended up a, after um, after nursing school, ended up in New Hampshire. My dad went to Penn. He's from uh, Newcastle, just outside of okay. Pittsburgh. Okay, and he went to Penn State. Met my mom in New Hampshire. They then both went back to Penn State. My brother was born there. My dad played football there. My dad's cousin played lacrosse there. My dad's brother was on the the. Um, the golf team. My brother did his masters there. Basically, anybody who has the last name Kerr ended up at Penn State, except for me. Which is odd because I like pledge all my money and, and emotions to them. So <laughs> wow. go figure, right? Uh, JB, go ahead. Yeah. Well, so uh, other than those reasons, why Penn State? <laughs> oh, look at this. This is cute. This is really, really good. Yeah. Okay. Hey, this no, is cute. So, so here's where I wanted to go with this because um, you know, obviously, you love the game. You played the game. You're calling the game. Given your yeah. your background and all those years of playing, and you know, and, and especially you know, when you go to Europe and, and you play in the lower divisions and you're part of those communities, you see the game in a different way as far as like the communities and the clubs and the culture, you know, and a lot of that I have to assume is kind of like embedded in your head as far as you know uh, your your opinion of the game and fast forward yeah. to now you know whenever you're calling these co- college games and you're traveling around the nation and you know these clubs you know the MLS next clubs you know the non-affiliate clubs you kind of see what's going on in in US soccer uh from a youth uh development standpoint and the quality of the players that are that are ramping up and funneling through the college ranks and up into MLS and USL talk a little bit about kind of your take on or what would be like in your opinion the state of the nation of the quality of these kids that are in that 16 to 22 age range compared to you know going back in time a little bit to your own experience what are you seeing as the difference today versus then uh in a good way we've created drones in a bad way we've created drones so we have technically we have we, the, the kids nowadays are way more gifted. They are, they are taught from a technical standpoint that allows them to have skill sets that can break a lot of guys down in one-on-one situations. You know, that's thank YouTube, thank highlight reels, thank television. I appreciate all of that. Um, the the nitty gritty tactical side of finding a way to compete is lost on these kids, and it's something that the state. You talk about the state of the union finding a way to take that 16 year old and 20 year old who never went to college, who didn't know what it was like to compete for university. So all they know is basically 
the academy setup. To your point, doesn't matter where they're at, ECNL, MLS Next Pro, USL Academy, they're basically playing to get a pro contract. Right. Let's be very clear about that. Yep. Within that realm, and a lot of these clubs, it is it is do or die for you and you only. So they don't really give a shit. I'm not saying everybody. They don't really give a shit if you can shift out of a four, if you can shift out of a, a five, if you can play the six, the eight, the ten. A lot of kids these days are so positional specific that not only do, do they lose the skill set to be adaptable within the game, they lose the ability to compete. And that's not just me talking. I'm hearing this from some of the top coaches yeah. at the you know Division One nature and even guys into the professional level where it's like, it's amazing what these kids can do with the ball. They are absolute pansies on the pitch. And it, it drives me insane because my age, I'm 39 years old. I grew up watching guys like, you know, I talked about Roy Keane before. I'm a Liverpool fan. Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Zinedine Zidane, guys that had this tactical ability to them to go and beat players. And while maybe the players in this day and age, and you talked about 16 to 20, I would even say the pro guys above that at yeah. the highest level. Maybe they've got that one-on-one -on -one type flair. They're, they're children when it comes to finding a way to win a game by themselves or band together as brothers and go to war, honestly. Yeah. Let me ask you a quick follow-up then, because when you look at the current structure of, wow. of the U.S. soccer landscape, you know, and, and we all agree that these clubs are, I mean, they are pumping out talent, you know, the, the drone, yeah. as you said, you know, and then kind of your your current passion and the coverage at the, at the NCAA level. Um, do, what do you think about... Uh, kind of the the difference in motive between these clubs and the 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 one kid development model, right? And they would love to have two or three that move up and get signed or whatever. And then all of a sudden, all these kids are expected to go to the collegiate level where there's only one job. You have one job at the at 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 the college level, and that is win games, get to a tournament, win cups, and keep on going. So, what do you see? The do you feel that that disconnect? Um, is is a major hindrance, or or do you think there's an easy way to bridge between the two so that we can get these kids a little bit more competitive? It's a major hindrance. Um, it's look, it, it, we've gotten better coaching, that's for sure. And and some of and again, like some of the top coaches that I talked about have been around for a long period of time, right? Um, but we have gotten better coaching overall, and so specifically at the youth level, you've gotten guys that can teach these skill sets. To bridge that gap, we are in such a tumultuous time in this country where the psychological, emotional, however you want to phrase it, is is viewed so differently than when I was coming up. Yes. And when we were coming up, to be fair, right? So, like, the way that coaches spoke to us is very, very different to how they speak to players now. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's different. The things that came out of some of the, some of the, the mouths of my coaches, they'd probably <laughs> go to prison for, honestly. It was that bad. Yeah. Agreed. Now, do I think it's wrong? Yeah, like we all, we all played for those guys, right? Do I think it's wrong? Yeah, it was probably wrong. But guess what? Like it made me the person who I am today. Like I, I looked at my wife. I have three children. And I looked at my wife the other day. And I, he's going to hear this one day and be like, thanks, dad. Um, but I looked at my wife and I said, how, how did our three and a half year old become such a wuss? Like he's, he is, he's, he, he's, he's a little bit of a pansy. And like, I know people may not like that word or like the viewpoint, but I just want him to toughen up a little bit. 
tough love is only going to make you get tougher. And so I think a lot of that has to start at the lower levels and allowing as parents, our children to develop because the world is a scary place, both good and bad. It can be a disgusting place. And to, to help them navigate that, they've got to see some shit. They've hey. got to see what it's like to be knocked down. Yes, we can help them up, but they also got to figure out how to get up on their own. Now, that's a metaphor for both the physical side of the game, but also the, the emotional and mental side of the game where you've got to find a way to persevere through things because it's not all roses and perfume. What? And so what it, you got to find a way at every single level to put that together. That's refereeing, that's coaching, that's parents, that's everything. That's why I say it's a major problem. Well, that's a perfect segue for one of the little talking points I had locked up in my head, you know, talking about the 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 player, the kid, you know, you know, needing to uh, be more cognizant of the situation and toughen up a little bit about maybe not getting their way. And here's my question, transfer portal and the effect yeah. that it's having on the game today, you know, it kind of in the the light of what we are discussing, are you, you know, I, I think I know the answer, but are you a fan of it? Do you think it's appropriate? Do you think it's overused? Does it need to be limited? And what? how do you think that the transfer portal is coming into play in addressing these kids' expectations? It's, you know, it's funny. I actually, I my opinion is very difficult for me to actually sway one way or the other i'm kind of stuck in the middle and here's why if you know what i just talked about toughening it up and and finding a way to work through things that's part of commitment and that's a commitment that we were all so used to making years ago where it was a big deal committing to a university and saying i am betrothed to you for four years i'm going to give you my life for four years and find a way to make this university better and this team better than when i left it I fully still think that that is something that we need to make sure that all coaches have the ability to carry a vision on. And there are some around the country that do an amazing job of that. Now, the other side of that is there's the transfer portal. Things happen, right? And things happen where young children are making decisions without the proper guidance of their parents around them or whoever their guardians are, and they end up in the wrong place. Maybe the coach fooled them and that happens too. Okay, we let them switch. When all of these switches happen so frequently or or it's just the last year, I find it difficult to understand why we let that happen, except, and I'm going to contradict myself, the ceiling of college soccer to me hasn't really gone up that much over the past three or four years but the basement has come a lot higher. And so some of the dead weight that we would have seen sitting there on some of these division one rosters respectfully is being moved to the side because junior colleges, division two and division three programs, these kids are jumping internationals for sure. I mean, yeah, Marshall, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Mar that Marshall team is an international team for right. sure. They've got a 22 year old freshman in Yao Pinto playing right back. And I'm not saying Chris Grassi is an incredible coach and they do an amazing job, but that is very, very different than what Chad Ridley and Jeremy Gunn are doing at Notre Dame and Stanford. I don't know if there's a right answer. There's good out of both. I see more bad out of the transfer portal. Well, let's let, let's talk about the ACC in general because the ACC is is one would perceive it as very deep. Like for instance, in the semifinals, it was a six versus seven and a nine versus a four, and the nine beat Notre Dame. Um, yeah. 
And those rosters are all made up a little bit different. Like Chad Riley is an American um, roster for the most part. Um, there are some teams that are more international heavy. Um, do you think that the international f- influx of players has, I wouldn't say hurt, but what has it done for our uh, domestic men's Division One universities? All the players that are getting these opportunity at the professional level, whether it be USL going abroad, USL staying here, MLS um, through the academy system that become homegrowns into the first team or MLS Next Pro, those vacancies have to be filled. And respectfully, most of the Europeans that are coming here have a higher level than the next man up in the domestic side of things when it comes to Americans taking those spots. Maturity as well. For sure. And they're more mature. They're older, right? They yep, A lot yep. of these guys are, and th- this isn't the greatest word, but I'm using a word that, that a coach has said to me, they're rejects. And he doesn't mean it negatively. He means that they've tried to go the professional route and In they've Europe. become 18, 19, 20-year-olds and said, hey, you're not good enough to do it. Jasper Loffelsen, by the way, is a great example of that. Kicked out of Germany, basically, now, I'm going to retire. I'm going to come to the States and get my degree. Well, guess what? Now he's playing pro for RSL. But it's brought and that's where I talk about the basement. It's brought in the level up. So where you would have had three or four blue chip athletes at a university and then a bunch of other guys that were maybe two, three, four star players. Those guys are leaving. And so now it's like, well, where are my blue chips? What is going on here? Well, again, the ceiling hasn't really changed because the basements come up. So you've just got a tremendous amount of talent. I do see a lot of good and that side of the conversation because these guys are just so ridiculously talented and and what they bring to the game skill set tactically for sure they they break the game down better than a lot of the domestic players well i'm going to ask you kind of an x's and o's question and it's based on regions and relationships um you know given the fact that mls is 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 officially at 30 teams once san diego um you, you know fires it up um, but we're spread out. We're all over the marketplace, and all these teams are literally in the backyard of you know the vast majority of these power teams in at the at the D1 level. Are you starting to see? And this is really there's two things going on here in my question: uh, the styles and the uh, personalities of the MLS teams. Are you starting to see a little bit of a uh, coagulation of the NCAA teams that are in those marketplaces? Are you starting to see those relationships and the style of play? Are those starting to overlap to create kind of a, a secondary uh, feeder system, so to speak, to the pro level in, you know, in USL as well? Are you seeing a relationship there that um, maybe is happening in real time, but nobody's really talking about it? Yeah, it's it's kind of the unspoken one behind the scenes. I, I think you could look at, you know, three tiers, really. If you take Mike, Tetem- Mike Potemka, excuse me, at uh, Montverde in Florida, he's got such a feeder to Clemson. And then Clemson, you know, when Caleb Porter was there, he had quite a few, um, quite a few Tigers that were coming in. And some of the guys were drafted, went there immediately. Some of them were drafted and Mike Noonan would keep. To me, that's the next evolution. Um, you know, if, if you can find the problem is, is the finances of it and the legality of it. Now we saw the, the draft structure change recently for MLS super draft um, and kind of what the rules and regulations are going to be moving forward. That's going to need to be tweaked again, in my opinion. But if you can find a way to allow these players to go, 
from high school to college to pro. If it doesn't work out at pro, we need to be able to give these young men the opportunity to continue to further their advancement as a player. If, If you're 20 and you get drafted and you leave school and you don't, you get signed and you get booted out after a couple of months, all of a sudden we're saying, well, you're not good enough to be here yet. We thought you were, but we made a mistake. But guess what? You can't go back to where you where you were, that you can't do that either. So we've taken these tremendously talented individuals and said, well, we think you're good enough and you could have a future. But for now, we don't know what the hell to do with you. That's not fair. It's a joke. And yeah. so tactically, if you can intertwine all that together and extend that runway, now you're talking about a real developmental process that is not just affecting high school, college and pro. We're talking about the advancement of the sport in this country overall for the greater good that pushes into the national team. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna change it up here a little bit, Devin, and get us off that that college game, um, the MLS side of things, and, and it's a St. Louis podcast, as we've said. Um, you did the Orlando game against City when City was one in the West and Orlando beat us. You did the Orlando Cincinnati game when they were one in the East. Um, and Orlando beat them. Um, can, can you talk about our gem here, uh, St. Louis City, and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, break down the season and, and, and maybe for the listeners, um, in your opinion, what went wrong down the stretch? Um, I'd like to get your um, opinion just on the St. Louis City year. Was it a success? Uh, spit game on St. Louis City. 100% it was a success. And respectfully to anybody who thinks that it wasn't and especially to the locals i hope i'm pretty sure they are but i hope they understand how impressive this was because no team had ever won their conference and their inaugural season their expansion year you did that you were a team that could basically score at will from anywhere on the pitch and we saw that um they stuck true to themselves all year long and most expansion teams are like trying to figure themselves out. So maybe they have a couple of good games and then it dissipates and the vision changes and, oh, we need new personnel. We tweak ourselves. And that's a conversation for 12 months, for 18 months, for 36 months. And while certainly this organization is going to continue to evolve, get better, raise the expectation, push the bar higher, find a title, eventually what they were able to do in the first 12 months is almost unprecedented, right? And so to be able to maintain that 34 game season in its first year with a coach who really didn't have that much experience as a head coach in this league assistant yeah saw the league for a long period of time but to get the guy who had been out of it and to bring him back in to take a guy like john hackworth and his first assistant who had gone from a failure in most people's eyes with the philadelphia union back to the national team into usl and then to bring him in and then the rest of the crew, video analysts, everything, I'm just naming small little cogs to this. And I, I say that because everyone is such a massive piece. I think you're crazy to think it's not a success. And it was super fun. Where did it go wrong? I wouldn't say, I don't think it's overall to say that things went wrong. I think that the team got tired. I think that emotionally to ride the wave that that squad is capable of is a very difficult thing to do. Also, They caught, if we're talking about playoffs, a sporting Kansas City team that has not been given the right amount of credit. The level of disrespect that Peter Vermees and sporting Kansas City have been shown is absurd because I saw that team draw LAFC back in May, and they were kind of coming around then, and I go, 
this team's got something. They are, there's that's, no way they are the bottom west. And you just put them all together. That's that that St. Louis team. You guys are going to be good for a long period of time. Are you going to be great come playoff time? Who knows? Um, that's what I'm getting at. We, that's what I want you to speak on a little bit. So as these teams see our style and as these front offices and coaching staffs and they're all educated and they're all very high in the game, um, did, did people catch on to our – um, playing style, and did they adjust to make it difficult for us? The answer to that's yes, in the short term. But like, <laughs> can, can can we like does playoff soccer in the MLS, which we learned, does it change a little bit? Where you need to, I, I just I'm at a loss for words because it just looked like we were outclassed when we got to the playoffs, and we were head and shoulders above everybody else. So it, like so this year we played Sporting Kansas City five times. Um, by the time you get to game four and five, they kind of know you, correct? That's fair. I mean, certainly you have to find a way to change within the match. Um, I will say that towards the tail end of the year, and I want to be very clear about how I word this. You mentioned the Orlando-St. Louis game in Orlando earlier, right? When you guys were one and they beat you, and then they also beat Cincinnati. Oscar Pereja in that game, to me, made changes to counteract what Bradley Carnell had done. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that Bradley Carnell got outcoached. I'm saying that the changes that he made were immediately rectified by an Orlando City bench that was willing to sit and wait and see what happened. Now, in my opinion, Oscar Pereja is the best at that, certainly within this season, and I think he's shown that. The changes down the stretch for me within the system that St. Louis has didn't do enough towards the tail end of the game to alter things tactically. I'm not saying that you guys didn't change formations or you didn't change tactics. I'm saying the players that were brought in in those positions didn't have enough of an impact. Does that mean that they should have been used differently? That's an argument. Does that mean different players should have been in those positions? I'm sure you're going to see that next season. So it's very easy for someone outside to go, he was outcoached. I think it's much more dense of an argument than that. And people need to look at the specific situations. What was the scoreline? Where were they playing? All that kind of stuff to fully encapsulate what went wrong. Makes sense. Hey, let's uh, let's zoom out a little bit, Devin. Um, we've we've been navigating our way through college to MLS, and I want I want to zoom out. Uh, I don't know. Talk a little bit about uh, U.S. soccer. <clears throat> um, you know, there's there's. Uh, tons of debate that's going on right now, um, kind of in real time. Uh, Landon and and Clinton, all those guys, and all these new pods that they're on. Uh, the debate is, you know, which team versus this team. And this team that we have right now, we've said it on this show, um, pound for pound. You go, you know, one through twenty-four of the roster. It's hard to say there's ever been a more talented group of players, you know, team, you know, team chemistry results, TBD, but what's your take on the U S men's team right now with kind of the pedigree that we have, not only in that projected top 11, but you add the next 11 kind of booing them behind, uh, so many of them that are, that are in Europe and we're, we're quickly approaching, you know, I know the world cup was just last year, but the next one's right around the corner and it's here. What's your take on the U.S. team going into 26 with the talent that we have? Well, the talent's certainly dense and insane. I agree with you all on that. Um, 
you know, the, the mental tenacity and the physical side that I talked about for some of the guys younger at, you know, academy and college, we, we've seen a little bit more out of this team. And to me, I think the reason that you've seen that is because a lot of the, the bullshit, if you will, that they've been through for better or for worse, you know, mm-hmm. there's been, there, there's been politics at play. And so you can look at what went on with Greg Berhalter. You can talk about the injury issues for Christian Pulisic. Um, we can talk about the Gio Reno story, Weston McKinney and his suspension, having to leave at times. So I think you take all that together. I, I hear a lot from behind the scenes of that group. I'm certainly not the the Bible when it comes to that, but they are bought in. They, they, they feel in a lot of areas that the way that they are under the microscope in America, which I think is a very good thing, but also we need to make sure how carefully we zoom in with some of these guys that they kind of feel like they're against us at times. And I'm not saying like every single fan, but they do feel in certain areas that it's them against everyone. Yeah, now, we're waiting for you to fail so we can say, I told you so. It, yeah, that, basically. That's, that's right? probably the way they yeah. feel. I, 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 I get it. Yeah, so, and so I've been there, man. I think we've all been on teams where people have doubted us. And, um, you know, in this day and age, I talked about the media of it before that, we see so much. I mean, Christ, every single person in the world thinks they're freaking Pep Guardiola. It's amazing to me. Seriously, <laughs> like, like, I mean, it's the greatest thing ever that people are involved in the game and they want to break it down and they have the passion. But at the same point in time, like, relax. You are on the sideline and you are not a coach and you are not in charge of them for a reason. And I think that there's levels to that. So just embracing what we have and the talent, absolutely. Um, I, I wonder... I don't know. I think everybody has a question as to whether or not it's the right leadership. I'm not going to go out on, the, out on a limb and say that it is or is not. Um, I, I'm of the belief that this is the decision that's been made. Let's support these guys and, and see what they're really made of because um, we got a, a semi, in my opinion, we got a semi-decent look at what they were capable of in the World Cup. A semi-decent look got them into the knockout rounds against a pretty good Netherlands team. Imagine what they could do if they get their shit together. Well, that's my question real quick. Um, success. What, yeah, what round, how do you define success in the 26 World yeah, Cup for this semifinals. team? Semifinals. I like that. I agree with that. Go ahead, Zach. I think it's absurd if you don't get any. I, don't, I think it's absurd. Like that, it, We've gotten to the point where, like, listen, if we're going to put them up on that bar and we're going to spend this money and our aspirations from a domestic standpoint is that these guys can play with the best clubs in the world. Well, why the hell can't we do it together? And I'm not saying that they can't. I'm saying that if they can all do it as individuals with their individual talent, we are then an all-star team. We need to find a way to best put all of that personnel together and get the best out of them. That's top four in the, in the world. I like that a lot. That. And, and my question really, this is Zach again, it's more about you on this one, which is <laughs> we've had Shep Messing on the show. We've had Bill McDermott on the show. We've had other broadcasters that have, have spanned, you know, quite a few generations. Devin, is your goal to be a broadcaster during the World Cup? <laughs> you, and did go. you watch oh. the uh, Smart List or listen to the Smart List Al Michaels episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I did not listen to the Smart List. You need to oh, get a briefing great. on that before I it's shoot great. my mouth off. <laughs> no, you got to catch that one. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it, 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 we have to assume 
Um, what's your goal here over the next three years? Yeah. And why does it include the World Cup? Got it. Yeah. So uh, just like a player, if um, respectfully, I, I was always taught if you're going to do something, you might as well do it right. Um, I don't I don't think I'm the best broadcaster by any means, but I, I certainly mm. have the aspirations to call a World Cup. And if I could do that on my home soil and, su- you know, support my team from however that may be, um, I want to do it. And I don't care if I'm I'm calling the quote unquote worst game of the tournament to be involved in that conversation. Fox obviously has the broadcast rights. You know, I have the relationship with Fox called games for them for on MLS this season on Fox. Um, If I'm there, I would love to be there. I can certainly tell you that my wife hates me every single day because of the amount of work that I put in. But, uh, you know, it's, there's another side of that, that she understands that my dream of being able to play this game for a long period of time ended about a decade and a half ago and dreams change. And my dream is to call a game at the world cup and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get I there. I love that answer. And I, and I, God, I, that's fucking awesome. I appreciate what you're saying right now because I, I, I need to listen to more of your broadcasts. You absolutely I do. do. I and told I, you. Well, and, and, and realistically, I don't watch a lot of college soccer and I don't get into the USL as much now that we don't have a team. Um, and I think that's probably, a characteristic that most of our listeners are into. However, after listening to you talk, Devin, and, and your story and just the way that you analyze the game and understand the players and, and the system and the politics of it and your preparation, I think anybody who's even tangentially interested in, in broadening their horizon for soccer viewing, I think this, this episode with you uh, certainly brings it to the forefront. And I hope more people go out and, and, and watch more soccer outside of the MLS, outside of the EPL, uh, and, and listen to you because I think you've done the right things. You've, you've talked to, and you're building relationships with 12 men and the, the network execs. And, and I hope to see you, um, on those broadcasts in 2026. Yeah, without question. And, and I'll ditto that. Um, for me, I was telling these guys, I text these guys that I was excited about this episode because I have actually been the one out of the three that I've heard multiple broadcasts. I, I, I'm the guy that watches the ACC network, the Big Ten network every night. Um, you, my friend, um, are a delight to listen to. And I wish and I wish nothing but the best for you. Um, I, you're you're going to be where you want to be, I think, as, as more people listen to you. Hey, Devin, a whole bunch of congratulations and love affair going your way here. I'm going to ask you a really simple question. <laughs> um, best what a te- dick. <laughs> well, what a I mean, dick. look, look, De- Devin, I got to tell you about my friend Jared here. His wife has officially watched, I think the number is what, 732 Hallmark movies? Yes. Yeah, and it's rubbing off on him. You know, so <laughs> we, we love what you're doing, but let me ask you a question. Uh, you're bouncing around. You're in college towns. You're in MLS cities. Where are you having the most fun these days? You're a dad of three, you know, and I, too, am a dad of three. Mine are a little bit older. Same. Uh, yeah, we, we another dad of three here. Uh, you know, for me, fun for me is a couch and nobody around and a glass of bourbon. What are you doing for fun to kind of chill out when you're out on the road? Uh, in all these fun places. What's your fa- favorite place to, to be, and what are you doing when you're there? I, naming of favorite place is a very, very difficult thing to do. Well, um, I, well, I, I tell food. you what. I love what, food. I the, love bourbon and beer, so 
any town that I'm in, I try and find the locals and and kind of reach out. You talked about earlier how, you know, mentioning it on air, I'll reach out to people on social as well and, do, you know, um, involve myself with the fan bases and trying to figure out where everybody goes. That's that's usually my move. So um, I just got to say, I'm going to I'm going to mirror what these guys have said. Where did he come this- from here? Where, 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 what, what did you partake in here? Do you remember? Like, did you go to a restaurant? Did you go to a watering hole? What What did you do oh, when you, you were in St. Louis? Oh, hell yeah. I had a freaking blast. All right. <laughs> so where's the um, where's the official bar for the Luligans? What's that brewery? Schlafly. Schlafly. No, not Schlafly. There's another one that sponsors it on the outside of oh, town. Oh, second shift. No. What second shift about? brewing. So second shift oh, yeah, brewing second brought shift. me the out. Brilligans, we did a little yeah. media and stuff there. Um I'm actually, I got a bone to pick with them. I'm waiting for my beer to be shipped back, but we had some shipping issues, but went out there. So spent some time there, day of game. That was great. Um, got taken to a barbecue place downtown when I was there for the uh, super draft. Sugar in fire. December, freeze Pappies. Pappies. But the barbecue was incredible. Mm. Yep. Yep. Both. Of, actually, no, I went to both of those. What was the first? Sugar, sugar fire, uh, sugar fire and Pappies probably. Oh, where'd you go? And then, uh, there we go. No, I went to both. Oh, we're bouncing around Schlaf- a little bit. You there? Schlafly, they're late. Yeah, you got me? Am yeah. I still on the work? Oh, we yeah, mo- we're in a little bit, little bit of a valley there. Are you still there? I'm here. You got me? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so you were saying you, you went to... Uh-oh. Well, I tell you what, Devin. Next time here, let's uh, let's let's save you the headache and kind of trying to figure things out next time because those are good choices. But next time you're in town, we're on the underbelly. Like we know <laughs> we know where the armpits are that have the best pie, the coldest beer. You have to come hang out with us, man. I'm in anytime. I got taken to some cool Italian place up on the hill that had like the bocce ball hall of fame around the corner, and ah. I had some. Was it salsiccia? Some sausage sandwich or something? Salsiccia. Salsiccia. Yeah. yeah, that's you. You were probably salsiccia. Oh my salsiccia. god. Yeah, you were. You were over at Milo's. If you if you if you had bochi there and everything else, you, you were oh. having having a time. Boom. Yep. Hey man, we're Milo's. Gonna, we're gonna. Oh, and also, go ahead. Falcon's Nest. Falcon's Nest. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, we know those Hell guys. Yeah, I the love Falcon's that place. Nest. Kevin Kalish, my guy, took me there. Oh, oh, now now it's making all kind of sense, man. Kalish taking you to the Falcon's Nest. That's well, nice. Well, hey, Devin, we've, we've been on here. We've taken up enough of your time, man. We know you're on the road. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're we're going to be following, keeping up, checking out these next few games. Um, let's stay in touch, man. Love to have you back. And next time you're in town, definitely hit us up. Let's, uh, let's cross paths, have some fun. Thank you so much, Devin. Count me in. Sorry for the service, boys. Thank you so oh, much, good, and uh, we'll All see good. you soon. Appreciate you guys being full of so much shit <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Hey, anytime it's, uh, it comes, uh, for, it's it's our nature, man. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Safe travels, dude, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers, boys. All the best. All right. Bye-bye. Cheers. Gentlemen, that was fun. Loved it. We... Uh, you know, every now and then you have an episode where um, it's just easy. That well, was easy. When you got a guy who can literally just talk, it's kind of like the Bill McDermott episode. We didn't have to really dig deep. Yeah, it's one of those things. <laughs> hey, how's it going today, Bill? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, five minutes later and we're all being entertained. Devin's one of those guys. I, you know, here's, here's the thing I liked is, you know, given his, given his demo at 39, having played where he played for as long as he played and then grinding and kind of moving on the mic through these, uh, these particular levels of the game, you know, NCAA in particular, ACC, uh, you know, now, uh, working with USL and MLS, you know, it's a front row seat. He's 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 part of kind of the acceleration of the game. Uh, so his his v- viewpoint, you know, uh, opinion of what's going on, it's not it's not speculation. He's he's not guessing. He's not reading crib notes and coming up with a, a you know a. Uh, uh, he's not a mid table dad. No, we are well, we are mid table dad. Here's the thing: he's grinding <laughs> every day. Yeah, it was good. Because he's trying to get to the Twelman realm. Well, I'm telling you guys this: if and when, not not if, when you guys listen to his telecast on whatever game, you will say you were right because you will enjoy how he comes off. He's not smug. He's not pretentious. He doesn't have an agenda. He's just fun, and he makes it light, and he's very informative. I, I'm telling you, you guys, he he is a budding star calling games in our, the sport we love in America. You guys well, will like it. And I think I was trying to get it out of him, and it, it's difficult to to recoup this, but he's that way because he prepares. Well, but he also just, he, he's also likable. He is, but like, what I'm saying like, is. So are you he, saying he, that we should like, prepare more? No, 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 no. No, out of 10 okay, people, good. like no, one person trying. likes me. <laughs> like, true. You know what I mean? Maybe so like, I'm person. not that likable. He He's likable. No, what I'm getting at is the, the, the first step in recovery, Jared. <laughs> you have to be likable, first of all, yes. But <clears throat> to rise up the ladder like that, likability only gets you so far. There's a lot of likable people. He's likable and informed and extremely prepared. Well, here's the other thing too. You know, we've watched enough of the MLS games <clears throat> with our own team and you know the package and what getting into other. Uh, games randomly yeah. because we all admitted. Look, look, let's let's all be honest with ourselves. Go back in time, um, at the beginning of the MLS, MLS season, I believe all three of us said we don't watch a lot of MLS. We just don't. No. Didn't right? Mm-hmm. And even NCAA soccer, you know, you really started loading on to it this year. Yeah. Um, and look, there's good coverage out there. There's good guys on the mic. There's uh, good women on the mic as well. Uh, but just kind of. Come twenty six, I'll I, I'll put I'll put a hundred bucks on it right now. He's calling a lot of games. I hope. I, I hope, hope so too. I, for I, him, I, for his sake and his success. Um, you know, like even professional football. Like, does anybody like? And I know you guys don't watch professional football, but I know multiple people. If Chris Collinsworth's calling the game, people Chris mute the game. Chris Collinsworth does he? I, I've P- never heard him on mute Chelsea the game. Yeah. And you know, like, and, and I'm just telling you, yeah, Tony Romo. <laughs> so I mean, there's there's styles too, you know. All right, so or a Zach, recap us. Uh, remind, remind everybody where are we at and how can they... Uh, we are at the PS house. So the underscore the PS others. underscore house. Do that again real quick. The underscore PS underscore house. In Soulard. In Soulard. The Staycation. House. Yeah, Staycation. Realistically, this is designed for corporate events, for wedding parties, the carriage house, though, is for nice getaways, very similar to the the uh, 
Music Box Shelly out the in Innsbruck. IBK Music Box. Uh, oh, new re- oh, by the dude, way. Dude, I feel like I'm on vacation. <clears throat> I have my pants off right now. I wish you didn't. Just don't, gra- <laughs> just don't grab a grill. Don't grab the grill again. Um, no, cool, great place. Um, I want to uh, again thank Chris and Bill, ThePinnacleLoans.com. Those guys yep. continuing to support the show. And here's what we're gonna do on our way out. Uh, we're gonna add another pinnacle point. At the oh, very end. oh, I laughed my ass off. <laughs> and there oh, it is. Oh man, I thought of you immediately. So for listeners thumbing through the channels and I can't even believe this happened. I thumbed it on the CMAs last night. They were announcing the award for song of the year. And if you've listened to our show, JB's head is about to blow up. Song of the year, CMA, a remake. I'm so like, you go back to the other episode. I don't remember which one it was. Bottom line, Luke Combs, Try to write your own song one time. I get it. You can sing, but leave Tracy Chapman alone. I mean, look, she's going to take the payday. Hey, listen, I, don't be mad at, at Luke. He, I'm not mad at him. It's his management. I, I, I did, get it. I did read. He has been playing that song for over six years on the road, and he finally recorded it and released it in March. So he's been stealing it for four okay, years. No, so, okay, so paying for six, it for six years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then he had to practice it, and the band had to learn it. And yeah. all the time that he played that song and practiced it and everything else, you know what he could have been doing? His own stuff. Writing in his own song. But that's what he could have been. Do you think anybody ever told him he did it really good? Yes. That's why he kept doing it. But it's not near as I good. I know, but for an audience who's never heard All the right. original version. We've already lost everybody. No, it's still good. Here we go. We're going to roll out of here. Thank you, Tracy, and enjoy your payday. Well done, Catch Tracy. you next time. Devin, thanks for joining us, buddy. We'll catch you next time. Body's too young to look like his. My mama went off and left him. She wanted more from life than he could give. I said, somebody's got